You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Faye, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly, heart-stopping, mic-drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. I am so thrilled to have Russell Granite, president and CEO of New 42, with me. New 42 is a nonprofit organization behind the New Victory Theater, the New 42nd Street Studios, and the Duke on 42nd Street. Their mission is to make performing arts a vital part of everyone's life from the earliest years onward. Welcome, Russell. Thanks, Gerald. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Thanks so much for for being on. It's such a pleasure. I read this in the New York Times, this wonderful quote. You said, I've always believed the arts are civil right, and that begins at birth. How do you work with families and children who don't see it as for them? Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's something yeah. we think a lot about at New 42, and I've thought about throughout my 30-year career in this field. Um, what I've learned over time is that there's a difference between feeling welcome somewhere and feeling like you belong. So I think a lot of arts organizations f- make people feel very welcome. You know, you get T-shirts or you get transportation provided or food provided or ticket subsidy. But even if those things are in place and you walk into an institution or you walk into an audience or to a theater and nobody looks like you, chances are you don't think you belong there. So I think we have a long way to go between bridging the gap between feeling welcome and feeling like you belong. And, and we do that at New 42 in, yeah. in, in many ways. In, you know, we have a, a youth core program where yeah. our theater is run by youth. And these are primarily young people of color, primarily kids from, um, you know, throughout the five boroughs, the tri-state area. And uh, it's an opportunity for when families arrive to the theater, they see themselves not only on stage in our programming, but they see themselves the minute they walk in the door. You know, they, welcome to New Victory. Welcome, let me show you your seats. Let me tell you about the show. Let me show you where the restrooms are and where concessions are. If, if 
if everyone in that environment sort of looks like you, you feel like you belong there. And so yes. that, I think that is the, the big key. I, I don't run into people who don't want the arts. I mean, that, that, you know, on a rare occasion, someone might say, you know, that's not really for me or my family and I'll push back and, you know, I, I don't really buy it. Um, but it's mostly that they don't feel that it's for them. And I think that's the big concern that we should all have. Yeah, that's beautiful. If somebody were to ask you, what is New 42? And it has many tiers. What would you say? How would you describe New 42? I think the short answer is it's about young people, artists, educators. Um, it's about the arts. Uh, it, it's a complex organization. You know, New yes. 42 is, is the sort of the, the organization that powers the New Victory Theater, all the things you mentioned in the beginning, the Duke Theater, yes. um, really the care and the restoration of 42nd Street between 7th and 8th <laughs> Avenue. That was what we were originally in place to do um, and, and, and did so successfully. Um, but I think at its core, it is constantly thinking about access and equity across the board for all people. So we, as an example, 25 years ago, when we opened up the new Victory Theater, tickets were $2. 25 years later, tickets are still $2. Uh. So how many companies can say that? So we don't want the ticket price to be a barrier for a young person to see a performance at New Victory. So that to me is, you know, I think ticket price of Broadway shows is an issue. I, I think you yes. can't say Broadway's for everyone and have a $500 yes. ticket price. You, you just can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's... Uh, so at the so that thing that's a good example of who we are at our core. You know that we're willing yeah. to subsidize our tickets, to subsidize our rehearsal studios because we believe that you've got to level the playing field in the arts. It's too important to have it be just for some people. It needs. I do think it's a basic human right, and I've always believed that. Yeah, that's so wonderful. And let's talk about your lightning strikes moment because you were at Lincoln Center before I was forty two. Yeah. How? When did you know? you had to work in the arts, that this was your path? Well, it's a really, it, it's a, such an interesting question. I, I think art when, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, when I would go to the theater, I, I was very fortunate to come from a family that really believed in the arts. So the arts weren't something I, I needed to seek out. The arts were a part of my life. And what connected me when I was very young was any performance or television show or experience where there were young people. Like if I could see myself on stage, then I connected to it. And, and if it reflected my life, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, if what you're seeing reflects who you are, I think it can be a very meaningful experience. So when I was five, I'm the youngest of five kids, um, raised by a single mom. And there's a big uh -huh. age difference between me and the next sibling. So there's seven years between me and my brother and then 14 years between me and the old. So I was essentially an only child. So on television, which was a very big deal um, in the 70s, was a show called Julia. I don't know if you remember the show starring Diane Carroll. Yes. It was a working single mother with a five-year-old son named Corey. And so I was like, wait a minute it didn't even occur to me that they were an African-American family. Like, did, like that wasn't, yeah. I felt like I was Corey and my mom was Julia. I always thought Diane Carroll was beautiful. I always thought my mom yeah. was beautiful. Like, so there were these connections to that, to that television show, which was on television, right? And it wasn't, yes. it, it, but it had great meaning to me. So for my sixth birthday, my mom surprised me and took me, I mean, this is hilarious. I think as we grew up in New York, uh, took me to Vegas <laughs> and 
we, as one does for their sixth birthday. And um, she didn't tell me what we were doing. We were at Caesar's Palace, which had a huge ballroom. And my mom was able to finagle, you know, those a great sort of banquette down at the front. And who walks out on stage but Diane Carroll? And so I was like beside myself. But I was also very confused because in my world, she was a nurse and she had a five-year-old son just like me. And so my mom turned to me and said, maybe we can see her after the show. But my mom couldn't get that phrase out because I leapt out of my seat, ran up onto the stage at Caesar's Palace and said to Diane Carroll, where's Corey? <gasps> I was like, I <laughs> it doesn't really say a lot about how sophisticated I was, but I was Love convinced six. I was six. And she turned to I don't know, an audience of 3000 people and said, <laughs> I'll be right back. And so she put her arm around me and she walked me off stage. And, and this is, there's a huge <gasps> crowd of people. And then um, in, the show. Uh, yeah. in the show and during, during the show, she says, why don't you wait in my dressing room? I'll come see you at intermission. We'll bring your mom back. She goes, but I'm an actress. I do lots of things. I, I sing, I dance, I work on television, I work on on stage. And all of a sudden, it was like that moment like where everything came into sort of perfect view, where I thought, well, that's what I want to do. How cool is that? That you, you know, she looked amazing in that sequin dress that she was wearing at Vegas. And she also played a nurse on television. So it seemed like what a, that seemed kind of a cool way to, uh, to be. So really, you know, prior to that, I was a, five, a normal five-year-old kid. And post that, <laughs> I was, um, it, it really was a lightning moment for me. Cause at that point I knew that I wanted to do something in the arts. I didn't know whether it was going to be a performer or, you know, I didn't know what arts administration was, but you know, I, I knew that I wanted a life in the arts. Um, <laughs> and then it, it was, it's funny. The story is I then saw Diane Carroll 30 years later uh, and, and we had this sort yes. of great moment of, of coming together and, and, and remembering that moment. Um, she was on the David Susskind show and talked about this, her youngest fan jumping on stage. Sonny and Cher were in the audience. They stopped me at the pool the next day and said, weren't you the kid who went <gasps> on stage? Like it became this thing. And so it was, you know, so it, it's, it's sort of my story of, of how I, I got in the, so, so involved in the arts. That's so beautiful that she remembered all those yeah. years later. Yeah. And then she talked. I, I mean, I can't even imagine being Diane Carroll in the midst of your show. That you, <laughs> you, you, a, a six-year-old would be that fearless and enthralled. Do you remember what went through your mind when she took you backstage and said, I'm an actress and I do many things? What went through your mind? Yeah, I think it was literally the adrenaline of the moment. You know, yeah. I think I, I remember running up to the stage and I remember sitting in her dressing room. I don't remember being on the yeah. stage, yeah. but I remember her saying that it was, you know, there was something about the imagination that was so believable to me because I really believed she was a nurse. Now, it, you know, again, it, I don't know what it says <laughs> about me in television, <laughs> well, but it never occurred to me that she wasn't a nurse. And so the idea that, um, that could be so strong and have such a pull and was so meaningful to me because she was a single mom with a kid my age. So I think there were lots of things at play in that moment um, that really uh, was that sort of pivotal moment in my history. And you bring, as you said, New, new 42, New 42nd Street brings so many young people to theater. I met many people, many young people see their first theater that's right. right. At New 42. Do you remember one of the first 
plays or productions you saw other than amazing Diane Carroll, you know, a, a show that you saw that really that just blew you away? When I was around the same age, Oliver was on Broadway. And again, it was the oh, yeah. same connection of there's, there's a kid my age on yeah. stage. And so I, you know, I think it's very powerful to see yourself on stage. And, and I think we're as a theater community and new 42 is included in this. We are much more conscious about what's on our stages. And I think if you're, you know, a BIPOC artist or a, a family of color and you're going to see a show and you don't see yourself on stage, I think it's, it could be a still a great experience because, you know, quality theater is quality theater. But if you can see yourself on stage, and I mean like visually see yourself, um, I think it's a game changer. And it certainly was for yeah. me. I mean, Oliver's an example yeah. of that. Annie yeah. was one of my first shows where I thought, yeah. like, doesn't get any better than this. And then, you know, the relationship uh, with the show, Julia. Um, so I, I, I think it's very important that um, we begin to focus what we're producing or presenting to reflect the audiences we want to serve. Yeah. That's great. How did you go from Vegas, from Caesars, to getting to Lincoln Center? I, you have to tell me the whole trajectory. But how, <laughs> how did that happen? That you got <laughs> uh, so I I became sort of a theater kid. You know, that's yeah. you know a traditional kind of theater geek. I you know saw was fortunate enough to be able to go to shows a lot and was in the drama club and and did theater. Um, didn't go to theater. Um, uh, for didn't go to college for theater. I was a communications major. I thought theater was probably not the the you know. I, I always think a good and I and I always recommend this to young people too. I think a good liberal arts education is probably the best way to go. You can always focus your education sort of post college, and that's what I did. I then went to um, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art for theater with the idea that I was going to be an actor, um, and then came back to New York and became a teaching artist, and that. Another sort of lightning moment there was realizing you could do this work through an educational lens. And that was really meaningful to me. So I, I've said this before, but you know, my claim to fame is I've been to every last subway stop of every subway line in New York City. Because uh, I've worked you know, for years in the New York City public school system yeah. as a visiting artist. And that really catapulted me into wanting to know more. And then I went back to NYU and got a, a master's degree in education and then uh, worked at something called um, an organization called the Center for Arts Education, which uh, the mission at that time was to bring the arts back to the New York City public schools. So it aligned sort of beautifully with that kind of trajectory of being an artist in the schools, seeing that, you know, in the New York City public school system, you have the absolute best of public education. You have schools that, you know, are as good as any private school in New York, but in contrast, you have some of the worst schools in the country within the same system. And, and that was very concerning to me. And, and so working at the Center for Arts Education allowed us to focus on schools, communities of need. Um, and then that led me to um, really think and, and want to focus uh, on kids with disabilities, on research and arts education. So I started to broaden my interest and then um, moved uh, to Lincoln Center, uh, I guess it was in 2012. Uh, I was asked to reimagine education and community engagement at Lincoln Center, um, which was a big lift. You know, Lincoln Center mm -hmm. is viewed in a very specific way by people in the U.S. Yeah. And, and it was a challenge. To, and we had success in, in bringing families and young people to a place that they oftentimes didn't think of 
uh, that they were welcome there or certainly did not feel like they belonged. Um, and then uh, towards the end of my tenure there, I was asked to run Lincoln Center, which I did and uh, did so for about a year, which was a great little over a year. And it was a you know great experience. Uh, and then when New 42 uh, had contacted me sort of halfway through my Lincoln Center tenure, and I'd been friendly with the um, the board chair and, and had great respect for the the founding president of the organization. Um, uh, it seemed like a great fit. So um, I've been there for two years, and you know I was in the job six seven months, and then you know the world changed. So it's yeah. it, it's been quite a ride, but but really exciting and and really important work. We have got we know from research that if young people are exposed to the arts at, at a young age, meaning sort of four, five, six, that that completely changes their trajectory of their relationship to the arts. But if you're introduced to the arts for the first time in middle school or high school, it's a huge drop off. So it's all I'm asking is we just focus on the younger grades just to get them to the because then kids, you know, they drag their parents to the theater. You know, they it is it is an ongoing relationship that that, that happens. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I love that you're, I love that you're a teaching artist. What do you, when you go to these school, to the schools, what do you teach? Can you talk, and what's sort of your through line or your mantra or what do you do when you go to the schools? So it depends on the relationship with the, the school and the arts organization. There are different models. Um, some teaching artists go in and they teach the skill. So they'll teach acting or they'll teach right singing or they'll teach tap dance, you know, whatever it is that the school needs or wants. Other teaching artists go in and they will work with the classroom teacher around curriculum tie-ins. So if they're studying the Civil War, could they do, you know, reenactments? Could they be characters? Could they write monologues from the perspective? And so it's a theater teacher or a dance teacher working in partnership with, let's say, a social studies teacher or a humanities teacher to create curriculum together that's more engaging, That where kids are up on their feet. They're just exercising their brain in a different way. Um, and then the third area, which is very much what we do at New 42 is we link the experience with the teaching artist to what they're about to see in the theater. So if they're seeing drum folk and it's about music and dance, or if they're seeing Emmett Otter's, you know, spectacular, you know, it, it's all yeah. about what are the themes in those pieces? How do we sort of unpack those themes? If it's circus, maybe they learn something about circus and they engage in circus. So when they show up to the theater, they have a different kind of relationship with what they're seeing on stage than how they walked in cold. So it's, so teaching artists are, um, I think, the highest yeah. form of artists because they have to be an artist, but they also have to be a translator. And it's yes. hard to do both without losing the artistry. Because then, because you don't want to become too teachery. That's not what an artist, yes. you know, I, you know, I, I think right. a teaching artist is an artist first and they, and they use their craft to share what they're about to see on stage. 
So you provide all this context to make yep. the theater accessible. So you go to all these different schools, you personally. Yep. I love that you do that. Do you, can you talk about the recent event you just held that benefited arts teachers everywhere and <laughs> emphasize the importance of arts education? We, um, on June 5th, this past June, and it will be airing on WNET, and we'll uh, make sure we get you that date. Um, the, we don't have a, an air date yet. Uh, it, it was important to us at the, you know, hopefully as we move through COVID, that we acknowledge teachers and in particular arts teachers. It was a very hard year for all teachers. I mean, you know, it, yeah. regardless of what you were teaching, but our teachers many of them were reassigned because the classes, if you were in person, the classes were, were much smaller, so there weren't enough teachers. So if you're a theater teacher or a dance teacher, you were teaching now third grade or second grade or ninth, you know, you weren't teaching your art form because they needed you to teach, you know, because they needed more teachers. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, that's triage. not what, you know, what, triage, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to create an event in person. We wanted to celebrate 42nd Street because that's our home. And it's, you know, 42nd Street's, you know, one, if not the most famous street in the world. Um, it's certainly one of the most famous streets in the world. So we did something no one thought we could do. We shut down 42nd Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. We put up a great big stage and we had, you know, Bill Irwin and we had um, Sarah Bareilles um, and uh, we had, you know, artists from uh, schools and professional artists all performing um, in honor of Jody Arnhold, who was our um, individual honoree because of her tremendous work in dance and dance education. And we were honoring the New York City Department of Education's art teachers and the chancellor um, Misha Porter was there to accept the award on behalf of teachers. And what I loved is being in the audience and, and I ran into someone and, and I said, I said, Oh, I'm so happy you're here. And they're like, well, you know, I'm a theater teacher. And I said, Oh, I, you know, she was an actress and I hadn't realized she made the transition. And I said, Oh, it's so great. You could be here. And she goes, well, you know, they're honoring me today. <laughs> and I thought, you know, we did our work. If, if, if everyone in the audience thought they were being honored, which they were. Uh, and so it was, it was an important oh, event for the city because it showed that 42nd Street is alive and well. And it was a really important event because it really honored uh, the heroes and you know, the arts teachers across all five boroughs of New York. And, and you also have a, a whole slate of summer programming. You talk about including dance jabs, lab works. Let's talk about that. Sure. And I hope everyone can can see it. We're Little Island, which is this, you know, fantastic uh, new center that's opened. It's uh, on the west side. Um, it's a little, literally a little island. Um, and we will yes. be there every Saturday and Sunday uh, throughout the summer through the end of September. On Saturdays, uh, we'll be there doing uh, dance jams. Our teaching artists will be there. Artists will be there. And they're all engaging activities. So at 11 o'clock on Saturdays, you know, please come see us. And then on Sundays, in the afternoon, our LabWorks artists will be there, and that'll be more like an open rehearsal. And our LabWorks program yeah. identifies artists of color who are interested in writing and telling stories for kids and families. You know, there are a lot of artist development programs, a lot of playwriting programs, but few of them, if any of them, focus on young people and families. And our what we want is the best possible work out there for, you know, theater for youth can have a bad reputation, right? They, oftentimes it's very mm -hmm. messagey 
and it's it, yeah. it's can be patronizing. That's not how we see it at all. We see you know great theater is great theater. So we're looking to invest in BIPOC artists to create work for kids and families. So they'll be there on Sunday. So we have a, a whole slate great. of programming uh, this summer, which is just I great. To, you know, we just want to give artists. We want to pay artists. We want to give them work. You know, it's they've been so it's hard great. hit through this whole pandemic. And, and there's so much hope. That, I mean, you just announced your 21-22 season, yeah. uh, which will include live performances and an option for audiences to stream in yeah. their homes. Can you talk about that, what you're looking forward to in terms of your upcoming sure. season? Well, I'm looking forward to being in the theater again. Like I just yes. walking in through the door and and seeing an audience and seeing performers. Yes. I, as much as you know, Zoom has certainly saved you know our business. It's enough already. You know, I just miss not seeing people in person. So in November, we will open for a full season. Um, we will uh, open with um, uh, the world premiere of Ping Chang and Companies and Urban Word New York City's Generation Rise, um, commissioned by us. And it's the young people's voices about what this last year has been. Um, and then over the holiday, which I hope you come to, um, uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. And that's just a beloved favorite. And we're assuming everyone in the world is going to want to come see that. Um, and then you can go to New Victor org or new42.org and you can get a full list of the whole season um, and we'll be running shows from November to June. Um, and then at the same time, we were aware and conscious of the fact that families may not feel comfortable. You know, there might be, you know, little ones aren't vaccinated yet. We hope that that uh, becomes an option before school. We, you know, it was just talked about today that um, vaccines will be available before September for, you know, between six and 12 year olds. But if a family is not comfortable, we wanted to have the option for that art to be in their home. So all of this will be streamed. And if they want to see, you know, Emmett Otter, they will be able to see it at home. So that's the idea. And so all of that information will be at newvictory.org or new42.org, whatever's easier. And new 42 studios, I <laughs> Love going there, especially uh, because it's a it's an incubator, right? Yeah. All so many shows for people don't know. You'll explain it better. Many many shows, Broadway, off Broadway, rehearsed there. So you'll be very busy soon with several yeah, shows opening. We are. I mean, yeah, we're we're, we're we're pretty slammed. I mean, you know, come August, which is around the corner, we are you know completely book solid. Uh, the the studio is this magnificent sort of glass structure where every floor is a series of studios, but it, you know they open up and they're essentially the size of the footprint of a Broadway stage. So if yeah. you're rehearsing a show, it's you know you don't have to reimagine it when you're rehearsing than when you go into the stage. Um, so it's state of the art. It's this you know beautiful beautiful place and and it really is an incubator you know our job is to make sure the artists have the time and the space that they need to create work and and so we've had you know if you look at you know every show musical that's been you know nominated for a tony award um, i would say nine tenths of them have been at the studio building as well as dance companies and nonprofit theaters as well i mean it's important for us that it's a range of people rehearsing in the building um, but it's a very important place for the city artists just yes. need you know that you know as a former actor you know the that rehearsal is a very vulnerable time you know you're asking people yes. to take risks you're asking people to invest you're asking people to reimagine maybe a script that's been written or not yet written so our job is to make it a you know sort of a quiet safe incubator for artists i mean i can't tell you how many times over the years i've gone to previews pre-broadway yeah. previews uh i've seen 
uh, scenes from Beautiful. I saw The Prom. I mean, on and on and on. So many shows uh, yeah. have rehearsed there. And it's, what is that like for you knowing that theater is coming back in this very, uh, in the fall, in this uh, epic way? How does that make you feel? It's just so optimistic. I, you know, if you think about yeah. where we were last year at this time, oh. it's it, it was, you know, a lot's happened in a year. I mean, last year, yes. at this time, there was no way out of it. Like, what, we were washing our groceries. Like, what, you know, how could yeah. we ever imagine coming back into an enclosed space? You know, what would that look like? And, and the idea that, you know, some theaters have already opened to great success, more opening in September and October and November. Uh, I just think, I, I do think when we come back, it, it will be a, this sort of resurgence of the, I don't think it's going to be a slow uptick of people coming back. I think we're going to get slammed. I think people are so ready to be in a space safely. You know, we are you yes. know, very conscious of how to, you know, air filtration and that proof of vaccination, wearing masks. You know, we, we will follow all of that. But I think there is something about the, especially having been so isolated for so long that people love that communal experience of seeing a piece of art together, whether it's standing in front yes. of a painting or being in a dance performance or being at theater. Yes. So I can't wait. You know, I, you know, November yeah. couldn't come fast enough. I know there's that collective where you, it's almost like you're feeling together. Yeah, like you start to breathe together. Yes. Because of an experience. And it's magical. And I know you mentioned that, um, new victory that you're, you really want to bring theater to, to young young people, really young children, mm -hmm. um, what are some of the, the ages? And can you talk about a few of the productions that have really stood out to you? The, um, the, the sort of youngest we go, which is pretty young, we have a whole series for babies. So we start very young, like at 12 oh, really? months. Yeah. So oh, gosh. they're highly, they're very small productions. They're, they're in a very small space because you can imagine you can't have them at the okay. victory, but you might have them in one of the studios or you might have it, you know, a sort of a section of the Duke. And it's very interactive, lots of music, lots of tactile movement uh, with a caregiver, whether it's a parent or whomever. Um, and, but it starts very, very young. And it's, it's amazing to see their, um, ability to follow a narrative, you know, they're, they don't even talk yet. Some of them don't even walk yet. They're, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, reacting to necessarily a story, but they are reacting to light and sound and movement. And so we start very young and then have something for young people all the way through high school. So once we get them at, you know, sort of that very young age of sort of toddler, um, we, we keep them. Um, and the, you know, for me, the great story is when my daughter was six um, and, it, you know, had not seen a lot of theater at that point. Um, one of the, I think the first live performance she ever saw was at the new victory. Um, and um, we saw white, which was a show that again was totally interactive. So you, you didn't have to sit in your chair and be expected for 90 minutes or 60 minutes to sit and be a, a passive audience. And I think it's those kinds of engaging performances where you're up and you're on a search of some kind, um, whether it's a journey with a character or you're thinking about, you know, the stars in the sky, um, whatever that is that's engaging really does change the experience for the young person. And that, you know, I have a 
daughter who is, you know, a, a huge arts, you know, lover and oh. you know, plans to have a career in the arts. So it's, um, again, it's that early experience and it's that engagement that is key. How do you um, find these plays or how do you create these? I mean, do you seek out, you said you want to support, art, you, you mentioned supporting artists. How do you uh, discover the plays uh, or are they created for, I mean, in-house? How does that all work? So it's a mix. We do have our lab works and there are times when those productions that we have sort of, you know, seeded to, to create, um, they will wind up on the new victory stage. So in some cases they start with us and then over time they are, you know, on our main stage. Um, we have an incredible artistic team led by Mary Rose Lloyd, who's the artistic director of, of new victory and new 42. And they travel the world. You know, I, I wish I could say there was a lot of really good work for young people and families being created in the U S that's changing. We were seeing more and more artists wanting to write for young people and families, but largely the work comes internationally because you have countries that believe in this and the government support, if you can believe it, you know, the government supports the incubation and the writing and the exploration of work for kids and families. So it's not uncommon for us to bring, I don't know, maybe 12, 14 shows in a season and eight of them or 10 of them are international because it's just a different landscape internationally than it is here. We're seeing it change, uh, thankfully, that more and more you know good works are coming out of the U.S., but it's largely we go overseas to find this really great work. And, and I will say, even though we're focused on kids and family, our artistic director will always say, if she doesn't like it, it's not going on the stage. Like, it's not, it is quality theater for anyone. And because of our ticket prices, what's what I find interesting is there'll be grown-ups in our audience without kids. Because <laughs> they, they're like, <laughs> look, for 20 bucks, I could see a world-class performance. Um, and and so it's not always, you know, our audience is not always just kids and families. Uh, we have a whole dance series in the summer called Victory Dance. And I was it was my first summer. I'd started July 1st and it, it ran for in the month of July. And I was shocked at the number of just grown-ups in the audience without kids, you know, like, and I realized it's because we have some of the best dance companies in the world performing. Why wouldn't you come? So, so it's, yeah. you know, I so it's it. just, it's, it, it, it is not an easy task to find the work. It, and we are looking at work that may come to victory two or three years down the line. So it's not, you know, it, it, this is all yeah. done way in advance. What is your dream for new 42? I mean, you're doing so much. You have a dream yeah, if you know, five years from now, even a year from now, you could look at New Forty Two. Is there something you you hope and dream you'll have accomplished? A goal, you yeah. know, in two years or five? Yeah, I do. Have a goal. Our our school performances are, I think, very diverse. Like I, I'm, yeah. we're in all five boroughs. We have, you know engagement across the city, our public performances tend to be very Manhattan, Brooklyn focused, maybe Jersey. You know, it's, it's a, it's a group of kids whose families have the wherewithal to get them to the theater. I would five years from now or three years from now, I would love to see that shift where we have more kids and families coming from the South Bronx or central Brooklyn or places where they're, you know, where they're coming to Manhattan for the very first time. You know, they might be one subway stop away, but they've never been to Manhattan. They've never been to Times Square. So I would, I'd love to see that 
shift slightly in our public performances to have a wider range of families from a, a, just a, a larger geographic area. Um, one of the things we're thinking about is touring the boroughs. So, you know, Staten Island is a, you know, can be two, three hour commute. You know, could we partner with an arts organization on Staten Island and set up shop there for six weeks and do a performance? And then that way, if you live on Staten Island, you sort of heard that this theater called the New Victory, oh, they're in Manhattan. So maybe after I see them in my community, maybe I'll head into Manhattan and see you know, it, in, in Manhattan, because it's not, I believe strongly that there's great art happening in the communities. I don't think you have to come to Manhattan to see great art, but I don't want someone not to come to Manhattan because they don't think it's for them. So it's, you know, if someone decides not to come to the theater and they, and they, they have a rational reason to do that, that's who am I to say they should, that, that it's, you know, I'm not going to make it a priority for them, but if they don't come because they don't feel welcome or they don't feel like they belong, that's a bigger issue. And we need to address that. So we're focused on that. We have a great partnership with WNET. And so our work is being broadcast on WNET. That's a great, for me, that's great access because a lot of families who can't come to the theater most likely have television and it's, it's a public, you know, it's PBS, so they've got access to it. It's all free. Um, so this year in our, you know, we went online with our work on March 16th. So we shut our offices on March 13th and on the 16th, we were up and online. And we've had, uh, to date, we are just shy of a million people participating. So, I mean, that's, that's sensational, right? So I would like to see those million people in our house. So that's, you know, that's a wish. Yeah. And you're one of the greatest uh, in the city. You're one of the lar um, largest employers of young people. Yes. Right? I, yeah, which is wonderful. Yeah. So, and young people who don't necessarily want or, or think about having a career in the arts. I think they see it mm -hmm. as a, a paid internship. It's at a theater. Seems exciting. And it's, an, it's just an interesting experience as they're with us for one year, two years, three years, that they're... They, and we also, we feel it's very important to, in addition to the experience of the theater, help them through the transition from high school to college or community college. So how do we help them get into those schools? How do we, because that could be tricky for kids, you know, and, and once you are on that track of either high school for, you know, four years, five years, six, we know the longer it takes, the less likely you are to graduate. So, you know, a, a success story for us is you enter high school and for, you know, year one and you leave in four years and then you transition to, if it's right for you, you transition to a, a you know, community college or a college and we help them in that process. So it's a, an important program. Is there anything you'd like to say to that little boy who was seeing Diane Carroll, <laughs> if, if you could go back and talk to him. Yeah, that story is going to serve you well because it's, it is really what, you know, uh, changed your, you know, sort of uh, gave you a, a clear trajectory of a professional path. Um, uh, yeah, no, just that, yeah, you know, believe that the arts are real, you know, that they are, it's, it's not a fringe and it's not something for other people. You know, I, the, so often the arts are, aren't looked at as sort of a hard skill, you know, so it's not uh, looked at in the same way that maybe math, science, and reading is looked at. But my argument is that those subjects, dance, music, theater, they are hard skills. You know, they give you the ability to work well with others, to understand scope and sequence, to fail and to recover from failure. I mean, how many artists have fallen flat on their face and it's not you know, they're resilient. They get right back up again. And how many people in this very high test stakes, high, high stakes testing world don't have that ability. 
You know, you fail and they are, they are just paralyzed by that failure and artists aren't. And, and I, you know, the other wish I have that in three and five years that I don't have to have a conversation anymore about fair and equal funding for arts education. You know, it's a, it is a huge issue. We, yes. Even with the lack of stimulus money being put towards arts education is it's very frustrating that we have a moment in time to yes. really put our money towards something that everyone says is important. You know, when, yes. when anyone shows up, if a mayor shows up to a school or the president shows up to a school, who comes out? It's the marching band. It's the dancers, you know, that yes. that's who they send out to show how great a school is yet. Yes. Nobody wants to pay for that. And and I, yeah. I read that um, the wonderful opinion piece you did with Wynton Marcellus and yeah. Misty Copeland. And, yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, well, Russell, it's so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing and how thrilling that the season is up and running and uh, more to come. Well, thank fall. you. Thank and, you. And I'd love to have you at the theater. So thank you, Gerald, for having me. Thank you. I can't wait. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. It still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore. And the talent was booked by Anna Stratton. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.